0: This is impacting all aspects of our lives and all entities, and it certainly holds true for us as well. But we also recognize that the community that we serve has no effective treatments for the disease that they are facing. And so to us, it is even more of an imperative that our work must go on.
1: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, in St. Paul, Minnesota. And as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy Holden in North Carolina, where I believe It is quite sunny and warm at this point.
2: It is, Mike, and I don't want to rub it in or anything, but today is maybe the best day (laughs) of the year from a weather standpoint, which is going to create some problems for the kids in the neighborhood who I think just want to get out of the yard, and sadly, they are still social distanced inside.
1: Everybody a little tired of being stuck indoors, but I think... Getting out when you can for a walk or a socially distant move of some kind is welcome for everyone. And as the temperatures start to warm up across the country, I bet we'll see a lot more of that.
2: Yeah, I think so. And again, I think we talked about this a bit last week, but, you know, seeing people just kind of who's crossing the street to go on the other sidewalk or are you going up into the grass so that I can pass? I think, you know, people are figuring out some of those unspoken at this point social cues. So let's make sure there's that yeah. six feet is there and we can both still enjoy a little bit of outdoor time.
1: New social cues for everybody. Well, this past week, we were lucky enough to land an interview with Dr. Manish Rezangani, the CEO of the research collaborative Target ALS which is based in New York City. And Jeremy, while we did spend a bit of time addressing how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting global research, the bulk of our discussion was about the work of Target ALS and some of their uh, more interesting current collaborations.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, One that Target ALS announced relatively recently, just in the last uh, month or so, collaboration with the ALS Association, looking into uh, potential biomarkers. You know, I know that if, if I go to the doctor and he tells me that my blood pressure is up, it's a signal that, that something's wrong. It's also mm-hmm. probably a sign that I won't be having a cheeseburger anytime soon, <laughs> but still so elusive in the field of ALS and was was really fascinating to hear Dr. Raisingani talk about where we are in the search for biomarkers and how th- some of these initiatives are going to kind of move the ball forward a little
1: bit. That's true. And, and what I think makes Target ALS unique in the research space is their desire and and real effort to bring together not only scientists, but clinicians and educators across all of academia and industry. It's an uncommon approach, and it was good to hear from uh, Dr. Raisingani on that. So let's take a listen to the interview, which we recorded on Thursday, April 2nd. We're joined on the phone today by the CEO of Target ALS, Dr. Manish Raisingani. Good morning, Manish, and thank you for joining us on Connecting ALS.
0: Good morning, Mike. Thank you.
1: So to start with, doctor, for our listeners who may not be super familiar with your organization, can you tell us a little bit about Target ALS and your mission and general philosophy?
0: Target ALS is a 501c3 medical research foundation that is committed to the search for effective treatments for ALS. And so we envision a world in which no one loses their life to this disease. And from the very beginning, we have made it our mission to harness the power of collaboration to achieve breakthroughs for treatments of ALS. So just a brief history. We were founded in 2013 by Dan Doctoroff, who some may know, served as the deputy mayor of economic development for New York City. He's currently CEO of Sidewalk Labs. So Dan formed Target ALS actually after he lost both his father and uncle to the disease and he has an extensive record in the public and private sectors, and so when he came to the conclusion that he needed to do something, he actually very really early on realized that there had been great advances in the understanding of the dis- biology of the disease, discovery of new genes that caused the disease, but there really were some key barriers that were in the way of progress towards effective treatments. And so his goal in founding Target ALS was to address and overcome these barriers. And so that's where sort of this concept of our, of what we call our approach as an innovation ecosystem came about, and it has these components like we exclusively fund collaborative research. We have created a panoply of critical research tools for the worldwide ALS research community, and we have also focused on engaging pharma biotech industry because really, if we want to get drugs into the clinics and then eventually to the patients, then we need their participation as well. So that's really been important and so we have one of the gratifying experiences for us has been the cultural shift we have been able to bring in the ALS research community which has become a lot more collaborative and connected since we have been founded so, and that i think speaks to sort of what dan had envisioned from the very beginning
1: right and can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved when you came into the picture with dan and company
0: so I also happened to have been in academia, and then I was in the biotech side of the industry. And then as I was going through that journey, there was something that was always missing. And that was a sense of purpose, which was bigger than oneself, which I think most of us look for. And this opportunity came along, and it really appealed to me. And it's it's been a blessing to have this opportunity, actually, to be a part of Target ALS and be part of this community and try to make a difference for ALS patients and their families.
2: Yeah, Manish, you talked about collaboration and bringing that into the world of ALS research. We're obviously having this conversation at a time where you know the COVID pandemic is forcing us to distance ourselves from each other. Uh, what impact is that having in on the world of ALS research? Well, what, what's the state of affairs today?
0: So again, it's obvious that this is uh, impacting all aspects of our lives and all entities, and it certainly holds true for us as well. But we also recognize that the community that we serve has no effective treatments for the disease that they're facing. And so to us, it is even more of an imperative that our work must go on. And in terms of collaboration, the spirit of collaboration is not only in person, but also can be achieved in a virtual setting. And so the research world, the labs, their work is gonna slow down temporarily, but at the same time, we can continue at our end to push forward with the initiatives that we have already announced. For example, the collaboration we have with the ALS Association or We have started some consortia projects in collaboration with the Association for Frontotemporal Degeneration to look for targets and biomarkers for ALS and FTD. And these two diseases overlap clinically and in our biological mechanisms. But at the same time, we are affected. So, for example, we had to cancel our annual meeting, which happens in the first week of May every year and is really a corner store for the ALS research community, because the really cutting edge work on ALS drug discovery and development is presented at this meeting. And a big part of this meeting is that it enables and facilitates uh, networking between different constituencies that are invested in ALS research. So we bring together academics, pharma biotech companies, other nonprofit foundations, and venture capital firms, and they are all able to come to one place and meet with each other, and we have been able to successfully forge several new collaborations this way. And so that has been a loss, but of course, we will again reconvene next year. And of course, throughout the year, we continue this work by connecting these different constituencies with an overlapping interest with each other. So that work will go on.
1: That's good to hear. And, and as you mentioned, everyone is kind of making these adjustments during the pandemic and figuring out ways we can all still work together and try to achieve our goals. And and it's good to know that the research world is adapting as well and, and doing everything you can to continue your very, very important work in ALS research. I don't want to stay on the theme of collaboration too long, but I know that's so important to target ALS and that traditional silos of research are more or less what you're trying to avoid. But that's not always the case in disease research. Was that kind of just built into Dan Doctoroff's philosophy from the beginning, like, listen, we're, we're going to work together, we're going to be sharing findings and exploring research together, because it seems like that's become so critical in ALS research specifically.
0: That's a great point. And as one can imagine, being able to collaborate is critical in any research field. It just becomes more of an imperative in a research field that is relatively smaller. And so the resources available are fewer. And so in some ways, all of us have a responsibility towards the patients, their caregivers and our supporters to maximize the impact of the support that we get. And so, yes, to the point you made, Dan's philosophy from the early on was he basically he he has this line that collaboration is in our DNA. And he has actually in his career really had a very collaborative approach to achieve transformative changes like in New York City, transforming the High Line or the Brooklyn Bridge Park for the community and that requires really bringing together different constituencies and that's the same philosophy we have brought to the ALS research field and you're right initially it takes time for cultural shift to happen and for silos to break so when we started there were minimal collaborations within academia and even less so between academia and pharma biotech companies uh, the nonprofits were talking to each other but not as much as one can do together and today if we see there's a very different landscape. So we actually did an analysis and there were about about a dozen so collaborations between academics, academia, pharma, biotech. And today, at least from our innovation ecosystem, we can see we have been able to forge over 160 uh, of these uh, research collaborations, which is very gratifying. And people are looking for collaborations now. And I think one of the reasons we are speaking today is because Target-LS and ALS Association have launched this uh, new collaboration. And I should mention that We have, with Target ALS and ALS Association, have worked together before as well. And so we, of course, will continue to do so for the patients and their caregivers.
2: Talk us through that collaboration that you mentioned. How does the collaboration between Target ALS and the association, how's it moving the ball forward? What's going on there?
0: So this collaboration I should mention is a reflection of the forward-looking leadership of ALS Association, and I want to especially thank our colleague and good friend, Dr. Kuldeep Dave, who is VP of Research at the LS Association. And so this collaboration really was born out of a pre-competitive biomarker initiative that we had launched in 2018. And the idea and this initiative involves experts from 11 pharma biotech companies, six nonprofit groups, and a panel of academic experts. And the goal was really to identify biomarkers that everyone thinks are critical to work on and would if they had the resources, would work on individually. So we said, we should work on it together so we can pool our resources. And we were lucky that from early on, ALS Association was part of these discussions. And Kuldeep actually immediately recognized the importance of these TDP43-focused projects, which led to this collaboration. And the importance is that because it's a pre-competitive initiative, all the information that comes out, any tools we create, will be shared with the research community worldwide immediately. And that'll, if the work comes out as something which is helpful, it'll impact ongoing clinical trials and the to be launched clinical trials immediately. And this is very similar to what we have done with significant success by broadly sharing critical research tools and information with the wider ALS research community through our innovation ecosystem.
1: That's so refreshing to hear that your research will, could have an immediate impact for other researchers and clinicians in the field that are working on their own studies to have access to that so quickly that it may have a positive impact on their work. That's that's great. That's refreshing. It really is. I, I want to take a quick step back because you mentioned biomarkers and some of us are still uh, very much learning about ALS research and research in general. Can you explain the concept of a biomarker
0: and how it's used in the fight against ALS? So a, if you look very simply put, a biomarker is a measurement. And I think a, a, any of us, anyone can relate to the value of a measurement which allows us to establish a baseline to work against to identify changes. And so in medical terms, A biomarker serves as a characteristic that can be objectively measured and evaluated as an indicator of a normal biological process, a disease process, or in response to a treatment. And so if I give an example, so let's say if we measure levels of iron in the blood, that's a reliable biomarker for presence of anemia. But once we give treatment for anemia, the levels of RN can then serve as a reliable indicator of the effectiveness of the treatment being given. And so if you look at ALS, despite all these advances we have made, unfortunately, the reality is that we still do not have a robust and reliable biomarker for this disease. And so the reality on the ground is that the disease is actually at a fairly advanced stage before the visible symptoms manifest themselves. And so the diagnosis then becomes a process of elimination. And we also do not have the ability to efficiently track progression of the disease, which makes the clinical trials inefficient. And so if we have reliable and robust biomarkers for ALS, that'll enable us to overcome these challenges and can greatly accelerate the drug discovery and development process.
2: I'm struck by the connection that you make between biomarkers and therapies, right? So this doesn't help us just identify the, the, the cause, the, the disease itself, but it helps us measure progress in a therapeutic setting. You have a handful of drug therapies that are currently in, in various stages of, of clinical trials. What can you tell us about those?
0: So yes, there are actually several promising clinical trials that are ongoing, and actually some of which came out of our innovation ecosystem. And this is a very hopeful uh, time in ALS research, especially because several novel modalities like gene therapy, biologics, uh, as well as uh, traditional uh, small molecule approaches, uh, they're being leveraged to pursue these therapeutic strategies in the clinic. So we remain very hopeful for ALS patients. But of course, we, as you know, in the, the history of uh, drug development for any d- disease, one has to continue the work to continue to improve the kind of treatments that one can have for the patients. And sometimes it takes a while to get to a point where one can effectively change the disease course or stop the disease for everyone. So that's why it's important that we continue to move forward on all fronts.
1: Doctors, some of the the first platform trials for ALS research are about to get underway, and many believe that that's going to be a turning point for ALS research. Is that something that you all are looking into? Uh, Are you following along with some of those uh, platform trials that are just getting started?
0: Of course. Any treatment that starts, we are always very hopeful that it'll have a positive outcome. And the platform clinical trials are a really positive step in that direction, not only in terms of the individual trials that are part of that study, but also the concept of platform trials, which will significantly enhance the efficiency of how we run clinical trials in the future. So that's a really big step for the ALS research feed.
1: Thank you again, uh, Dr. Raisingani, for joining us this morning and giving us this uh, fantastic look into the research that Target ALS is doing. Uh, it was wonderful to have you on. Hopefully, we can talk to you again uh, sometime soon. Likewise.
2: Thank you again, Dr. Manish Rezangani, President and CEO of Target ALS, for that insightful conversation and look into uh, some of the research that Target ALS is doing and really kind of a state of the affairs in ALS research today.
1: We want to do more of that on future episodes of Connecting ALS, introduce you to researchers, hopefully around the world that are uh, doing so much in global ALS research and working together to help us build a world without ALS. So hopefully we can hear from a few more of Dr. Rezangani's colleagues and counterparts in the near future. That is going to do it though for this week's episode of Connecting ALS. We have noticed that more of you have been listening at ConnectingALS.org and all of your favorite podcast listening services. Thank you so much for that and for subscribing as well. We really appreciate the support. And if you have questions or feedback on the show, uh, you can find Connecting ALS on Facebook and Twitter. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter of the ALS Association. Thank you for listening, and
0: we look forward to connecting with all of you again sometime soon.